Hello, I'm Jay, an arts manager, educator, writer, musician, and professional daydreamer. And I'm Miguel, a musician, arts administrator, educator, and lover of all things nerdy. And this, he says in his Ryan Seacrest voice, is Play Black, a podcast dedicated to nerddom, reviews, and hot takes on arts and culture and the human experience from the perspective of two melanated artists. How you doing, Miguel? You know, Jay, I'm hanging in there. Okay. I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Amen. Just trying to get through. Amen. Amen. I love that for you. So, uh, some news came out recently. You know, things are percolating. And it's it's so funny. We should say this. This was originally going to be an episode uh, exploring the finale of Attack on Titan. And mm-hmm. I don't watch Attack on Titan. You know, I was going to do my research, you know, be a very present co-host, you know what I mean, and, and do that. Um, and catch up for this. And I remember being a little confused because I'm just like, didn't they announce like this last season like a while ago and like it had aired, but like it's still airing. So I was like, whatever, maybe I'm just confused because I'm not tapped in. But then, then I see an announcement being like, okay, final season, part of the season, 2023. And I'm just like, I, I don't understand. So help me understand, Miguel, because uh, this feels like it's been ending part one, part two, part three. And I'm just like, we could just call those other seasons so help me help me understand yeah there's no helping you understand oh okay <laughs> okay yeah All it right. doesn't make much sense um in in its defense hmm. um from my understanding of following this timeline and like uh reading a bunch of articles about uh the different studios involved and the producers and all of that kind of stuff here's my basic understanding Okay. As most of you know, Wit Studio was producing uh, Attack on Titans seasons one through three. Uh-huh. So when it came to season four, which is again was supposed to be the final season, uh-huh. the producers asked uh, Wit Studio, and the timeline that they were asking for was absolutely ridiculous. Like uh-huh. it just wasn't going to work. And uh-huh. Wit Studio had a bunch of other projects going on. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So. They farmed it out to another studio called Mappa. Woo! Now, Mappa. Yeah, yeah, you you know, Mappa always has really cool stuff. I will say this though, Mappa used to be like a really cool, dedicated studio that would only take on like one to three projects a year, mm. um, and they would be of like silly high quality. Mm. Um, I, I believe the director, like the founder of Mappa, who like set that precedent left in like 2016 mm. and ever since then they've just been taking on projects willy-nilly so like while they've been producing some of the, like the biggest hits of the last couple of years including aot and jujutsu kaisen and all, mm. all of these movies and all of these uh different anime excuse me um some of their projects have fallen short so we didn't know that this was going to be the hit that it was basically mm. There was a lot of trepidation about whether AOT was going to be of the same quality um, heading into the map of years. So mm. we get the first, you know, final season, whatever, season four, uh, like a year and a half ago. Mm. <laughs> okay. And like, we don't really, we, we have an idea that there's going to be like 18 episodes or so. And it's like, can they really cover all that ground in the manga? By the way, mm. I'm not a manga reader. Mm. Um, so I, I, I wasn't sure of the proportions of the story either. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you know we were heading towards the end of that part and i gotta say i, I have to say season four of attack on titan parts one and two are some of the best anime i've ever seen wow um from a story perspective especially mm. the animation is good and has gotten so much better at the end of part two i have to say mm. but from a story perspective mm. um the, the fourth season of attack on titan blows my mind as far as wow. the spectacle of the story and the clarity with of which they're talking about the themes um I, I can't wait for you to catch up, Jay, because we're going to have like a lot of in-depth conversations about this. Um, okay. It's going to be it's going it's to be excellent. So, part one's happening. Cool. Uh, they don't finish. They're like, okay, we're going to do part two in like six months to a year. It's like, okay, sick. Now they don't finish yeah. the eighteen episodes you were saying, or like, was it nine episodes and then another nine, or was it like eighteen? It was wasn't either, enough. Now let's do more. It was either twelve. Or eighteen, I, f- I forget exactly what it was, but mm-hmm. they they came to like a very climactic like cliffhanger ending point. Mm-hmm. And it was like word, okay, cool. So the the next parts we're definitely gonna finish, right? Like part two, we're definitely gonna finish the whole series, right? Sure. So you know we're getting towards the end of part two. They announced that there was gonna be twelve episodes. We're like, okay, cool. And you know everything's really high quality. They're really spending a lot of time in some certain spaces, and we're like, are you really gonna make us wait again? Like, are you really going to make us wait again? Uh, I I was wrong. My hypothesis, as y'all know from listening to me yeah. uh, last uh, week, was that they were going to uh, take this opportunity to finish it off with a movie right. um, because of the success of Demon Slayer and Jujutsu Kaisen. I was wrong. They announced a, uh, a par- final season, part three, final arc. <laughs> Um, I'm just like, but what if you're not wrong? What if they do that and a movie? You think that's possible? Honestly, I'd be into that. I I, like, I actively would be into that because I think, um, I'm going to go ahead and I think read the manga just because I can't wait until 2023 to like have the ending of the story. Mm -hmm. But from my understanding of other people online, like it's spoiler free Mm -hmm. is that like they can, there's a lot of stuff to do in this arc that they can set up a movie for like the final like climactic battle, I guess. Mm. And, but they can do a lot of the character development and shit like that uh, in the series. So that's what's up with AOT. We're going to get season four, part three, final arc (laughs) um, sometime in 2023. I think I'm going to go ahead and read the manga um, and just have an understanding of the story so that when, when, when 2023 comes, I'm just ready to do the thing. So that is your AOT catch up. All right. Well, in 2025, when it's all over, we will talk about it here on play black. Uh, now to jump backwards a little bit, because we didn't talk about this. I believe this came out while we were on hiatus. Um, Harry Potter legacy. Okay. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the, this was supposed to come out. I think last year, like towards the end of last year, and there was a delay. Um, and I had not really been following it. I had seen some things, but you know, I had I had never played any of the Harry Potter games. I think I had tried one and I was kind of like underwhelmed by it. So I was just like, whatever, I don't really, I don't really care. Uh, I happened to watch the gameplay trailer for Harry Potter Legacy and oh my God, if it was not 
everything that I've ever wanted from a game, right? Like you can create mm-hmm. your own character. It's an original story. Um, lots of POCs in there. Uh, it's set hundreds of years before Harry Potter. And so there can still Ooh. be some hints of familiarity in the world, but also vastly different from what we know. Again, original story. Um, and the story, if I recall correctly, is something along the lines of you are a fifth year transfer student, which obviously is rare and insane. And you hmm. are exploring and have the ability to wield a special ancient type of magic different than the ones that like, you know, we, we normally, we, cause I'm a wizard. Hello. Uh, hmm. I, I broke the law. <laughs> Sorry. Don't come get me. Ugh, all you muggles listening. Um, uh, that most wizards don't have the ability to use. And um, also seeking that power to use for more nefarious means are some goblins, uh, one in particular. And so it's this whole journey about that. Um, one reason I like this is before the first Fantastic Beasts um, movie came out, J.K. Rowling pushed like a lot of lore set in the universe about expanding the universe. And so we learned about Ilvermorny yeah. and some of the other schools around um, the world. Um, and I remember right, right. one in particular that I loved was the African school. Uh, yeah, that was cool. That was Yeah, so the cool. African school yeah. in the clouds. And the reason I liked it so much was because I remember watching the movie and also just reading certain things in the book where, you know when Dumbledore claps and the flowers came, right? Or um, all those weird out-of-control magic things that Harry did when he was still growing up and didn't have a wand. And I just was like, well, so then clearly magic can exist without wands. And so what is that like? You know what I mean? And the Africans, she say, specialize in wandless magic. And I was like, it would be us black people just out here. Like, (laughs) you know, like, come on. So anyway. Can't be having wands. (laughs) Well, I know that's one way to take it. Like, oh, so we can't even get out wands now. But also it's like, we're not limited by wand because if you, a quick little expelliarmus, these white folk like tapped out. So I'm just like, you know, here we are. What does that look like? So this, this talk of this like ancient, more whatever magic, the ability to to fly, to be in these spaces, to cast spells and make potions. It seems very exciting. All that to say, it seems very exciting. Did you see it? I saw it in passing and I thought mm. like for like for a second, I literally thought it was like another movie and I was like, did I miss something? Right, right. <laughs> like I was like, hold on. Did, we, did, did Pixar make a Harry Potter movie? Like what's, mm. what is happening here? Because it, mm. it looked, it looked a, that good of quality like mm-hmm. I, I was like mm-hmm. pretty, pretty flabbergasted by it actually mm-hmm. so yeah man like i don't know i I've, I've been having a lot of complicated feelings about harry potter oh, obviously yeah. I, I think we all have uh, since yep. jk rowling came out as a turf uh i i it, it's been really complicated we're gonna address that uh i think when fantastic beasts Woo! comes out in a couple of months yeah we got a uh, whole thing planned very controversial yeah is it controversial though? <laughs> I don't. I don't mean that we are going to be controversial. I mean yeah, that yeah. this topic is going to be controversial. Exactly. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yes. But um, all that to say, I, I, we all. I think we all have some warm feelings about the Harry Potter yeah. uh, franchise from our youth, uh, mm-hmm. and I think we're we're allowed to have those warm feelings about that while disavowing mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. who uh uh, J.K. Rowling is precisely the way I see it. I'm not gonna let nobody steal my joy, including her. Um, that's that's where I've landed on that. Uh, but one other thing to be joyful about before we go mm. back into some new things. So we are recording this on uh, Thursday, April seventh, and today mm-hmm. is the day that Katanji Brown Jackson has uh-huh. been confirmed. Onto the Supreme Court. Now, if any of you guys follow Lovey Ajayi, she is a writer and speaker and professor. Uh, uh, She is also from the continent. And she writes um, things called orikis. And they're these, like, really powerful, like... um, how do, we, how do we describe them? Like name mantra things? And so I'm going to read mm-hmm. the one that she wrote for, for Kintanji. Okay, so Kintanji of House Brown Jackson. First of her name, Majestic Melanated Magistrate, Brilliant Barrister of the Bench, Great Guardian of the Gavel, Lock Rocking Liege of Law, Noble Nubian Negotiator, Capable Countess of Courts, Omnicompetent officer of order, exemplar of earnest equity, advocate of affecting action, presiding priestess of the poised platform, and quintessential qualified queen. Okay. Listen. <laughs> Listen. Woo. So she is going to be the first black woman in our nation's almost 400 year history, right? Because uh, to be on the Supreme Court and. Uh, we're here for it. We're here for it. Obviously, you know, we'll see what she does. Uh, but until she fucks up, uh, I, I'm fucking with her. We, we riding together. Oh, for sure. And honestly, out of the picks that were floated, uh, from my understanding, uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson has the best record, and she's the first public defender. You know, uh, someone who's... Oh, I didn't know that, that she was the first. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, like straight up, like someone who actually understands the system yeah. from like a baseline level instead of just going you know and clerking for a supreme court judge and then mm. you know going going the the ivy league route she was actually like in the trenches like getting it done you know what i mean oh like she did the work unlike her person who was confirmed right before her uh she who shall oh. not be named to you know didn't 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 have experience yeah. mm. we'll just call her jackson five abc okay sure <laughs> So very excited uh, for to see what Kintanji does and very excited to um, have another perspective uh, in that space. So before we jump into our uh, main topic of discussion today, is there anything else that you're watching or reading or listening to or playing that you want to share, Miguel? Well, before that, Jay, you asked me how I was, but how are you? What's going on with you? Little old me. Um, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I am, um, doing well. Uh, I know our last episode was pretty deep, guys. I know it was a, uh, had a lot of you guys in your feels. We heard we caused some tears and I like want to apologize, but also don't uh, because good, get it out. Um, <laughs> I had my first meeting with my therapist after a month yesterday. So that was Ooh. great. She was very proud of me for how I like handled her absence um, and how I like put into um, practice things that she had taught me. So that's good. Um, the Leo in me needs to be praised. So that was nice. Um, and one of my favorite authors is coming to town and we're hanging out uh, for 
the next few days starting tomorrow. Um, And so that is exciting. I feel like intellectually I'm a little bit nervous, but I'm surprisingly unnervous in my body, um, which is really, really interesting considering how socially awkward I am. Um, And I'm just like, well, either it's going to be a mess or, you know, I'll be cool. I'll just play cool. So we'll, we'll see what goes down. But I feel like, you know, we've prepared enough as a team um, for this weekend because she's coming to do a masterclass uh, private Q&A with our folks and uh, another podcast uh, that Dunamis is doing. She's our first interview for that. So, um, yeah, I think we've prepared a lot. Um, we're still selling tickets. So I hope that goes well. Um, but, yeah, by the time you guys hear this, it would have happened. So, um, you know, yeah. Pray for me, you, Miguel, because y'all can't pray for me because the way time works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's me. <laughs> oh, word. Um, what am I watching? What am I doing? What am I playing? What am I listening to? Uh, oh, you know, we, we talk about a lot of, you know, POC shit here. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and, you know, that's, that's the bread and butter. Yeah. But you know what I've been... What it, what I just started actually, it's uh, an anime called Vinland Saga. Have you? Have you yeah, heard I've heard of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it Which is, is funny because it's related to me, so that's actually really weird. But continue. Huh. I'm so curious. <laughs> I um, uh, fine. I'm a Viking. This is my coming out story. No, I'm joking. Continue. <laughs> well, so Vinland Saga is like the widest shit imaginable, right? Mm-hmm, it's like it's mm-hmm. it's Iceland, Denmark, Wales, like yeah. Greenland, and like. All this stuff. What I didn't know actually, when is actually pretty cool. Y'all remember, like, hold on, this is gonna, this is gonna, this is gonna be a, a reference. SpongeBob. I am not so, a SpongeBob person, um, okay. but I know I'm in the so, minority. So talk to the directly okay, so to the audience. To, to the audience, y'all remember SpongeBob? Y'all remember uh, Leaf Erickson? Leaf Erickson Day? Yeah, we Hinger do. Ding- <laughs> you know, like Hinger Dinger Durgan. You know, right? Like the that whole thing. Um, Leif Erikson, I knew was a real person, but I didn't know that he legit was the first person from, like, the East to make it to the continent of America. Mm. <laughs> like, we all talk about Chris, Chris Columbus and his, like, fucked up ass, like, as the discoverer or whatever the hell that means, which is a bunch of bullshit. Mm. Uh, but, mm. like, apparently, like, Vikings and, like, like Northern uh, Eastern folks had been the first people to actually, like make it and have some contact with the native americans that were here Hmm. i didn't know that actually uh and the only way i found that out was like looking up some of the history that was based in in this show Hmm. called vinland saga so Hmm. vinland saga for those of you who don't know is a show about um uh like vikings basically and the conflicts that were happening at that time and the pursuit of like a uh more palatable land uh Hmm. And Vinland is what they called uh, the continent of America. So it's like the story of mm. how this young kid uh, grows up in this like era of violence and is after his new, uh, not his new home, but like he's after like a, a, a new place that's of promise, basically. So wait, the um, little blonde kid with the knives is Leif Erikson? No, no, no. Leif Erikson's like a, a like a, a, an elder mentor character. Got it. Um, uh, and I'm I'm not even finished yet uh, with with the first season. Mm. Uh, I'm somewhere in the middle, I think. 
uh, I think I'm on like episode 14 out of 24. Um, mm. But from what I understand, like this whole first season is like a prologue. Like like this is a long like manga that like people have been praising for years. Oh, so okay. I'm excited about it. Like it's really well done. It's what studio actually. It's what studio, the same mm. studio that did the first uh, three seasons mm. of Attack on Titan. Um, Maybe I'll check uh, it out. The, yeah, the animation is beautiful. Uh, the uh, uh, voice acting is great. Um, and they take their time, which I appreciate. Mm. Like they they they're building the like the characterization of of this this kid, and I'm not gonna like spoil stuff, but he basically he ends up um, he ends up working for somebody that he hates with a an immense passion, mm. and like there's a reason for it, and mm. they really take their time to build up that relationship. Because it's toxic, but like constant at the same time. Mm. It's very interesting. So, mm. yeah, that's what I'm watching right now on my own. Uh, but uh, as far as like listening and playing, I'm composing a bunch of stuff for my uh, recital. Because uh, it's soon. It's in like three and a half weeks. So It's coming it's, up. It's coming. It's, it's, it's almost coming here, up. Yeah? Amen. Um, exciting. Exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. Almost very good. exciting. Almost almost at the finish line. You got this, man. Um so yes, yeah, so my related uh play is I am attempting for the fifth time to really penetrate uh Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And so Ooh. that is all about the Vikings. Um it's so weird. I love Assassin's Creed, it's my favorite game franchise. I've played most of them. And there are really only two and Odyssey, I don't know. It could be the third that I just could not get into. Um, one is the one with the guy in France. I forget what that one is called. Um, and I like thought I had played it through, but then I realized I hadn't. Uh, but that got a lot of not great reviews. One that a lot of people liked that I just couldn't get into uh, was uh, Origins. That's the one that takes place in Egypt. And I tried. I've played that game easily maybe six to eight hours and just could not seem to care. Uh, my favorites for sure are the Ezio trilogy and Odyssey. Um, and also when I buy these games, I buy the full deluxe packages. So I get all the DLCs and with Odyssey, which was already a massive time suck of a game on its own. Plus all of the DLCs play through all of it. Um, loved it so much. Immediately tried to play it again. Uh, with the different character. I chose Cassandra the first time around. Um, and so I had a lot of high hopes for... Um, oh, Valhalla. Sorry. What, what, is, what is this one called? That's the DLC for this one. Odyssey is the Greek one. I don't even know what game I'm playing. Whatever. Y'all know which one I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> this Viking they, one. They know. They know. They, y'all know. <laughs> Look up the Viking one with Eivor. Um, and it's not... Bad. I'm just not fully compelled. Um, and I think it's because I, oh, this, I should say this. There are some people who, for instance, love like Black Flag the most and things like that, uh, who really enjoy the open world nature of these games. You should know about me. I hate open world. Okay. Give me a story, give me an objective. Let me fly. I can still do it on my own time, but like I'm very much a story based game person. Um, yeah. And so with this story, there's just so many mechanics where the story is halted by this 
mandated open world play. For example, you know, we come to uh, our new settlement, basically, and you need to level up the settlement. And the only way to get the materials needed to level up the settlement is to go on raids. Um, but then you also need to, like, uh, set, uh, get some allies. And so there's, like, a, a five-part quest in a quest to get some allies that still don't feel like the main story narrative. Uh, and so it feels like, even though I'm on hour 12 or some shit, it still feels like the story hasn't begun, and that's getting on my nerves. Um, and then yesterday, I accidentally triggered a DLC. Since I play this game so infrequently, I think I've had it for two years. This is probably my fourth time trying to play. I was just like, oh, someone came being like, let's open up a trade route to Dublin. And I was like, that makes sense to do this early. Turns out that's a whole DLC. I see a whole new intro for the game when I do that. I was like, not me playing a whole other game in the middle of this game. So, yeah, but I'm still enjoying it. I can't say that I hate it. I'm just, I want to get to the story. So that's where I am. That's where I am. Um, so yes, that's what we are watching, listening to, reading. Uh, please feel free to tell us what you are watching to, listening, and reading. We're about to kick off uh, a new meme, uh, recurring meme thing on our Instagram. So we want to hear from you guys a lot more, get your opinions. Uh, but right now, after this quick little break, we're going to get into the review of A24's Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Okay, and we are back. Woo. Um, it's time for the play black on everything, everywhere, all at once. Woo. So, yes. Just so y'all know how we're going to do this, we're going to take this spoiler free for the first half, just so the folks who haven't gotten to see, or see it yet uh, have a chance to uh, get in on the action. Mm -hmm. We do have a fun little game after this, so uh, we're going to put a little time card stamp like in the uh, description. Mm -hmm. so that uh, y'all can just skip over to the game and everything else uh, so, uh, after spoilers if you don't want that. You're welcome. Yes, 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 yes. So uh, Jay and I actually went to go see this movie together. Yeah. I know he, he, he was throwing yeah. me that shade that we don't mm -hmm. go see movies together. Funny how that works. <laughs> it was a great time. So, yeah. Um, and it was... Um, mesmerizing like i can't like i i hadn't remembered the last time that i went to go see a movie in theaters that wasn't like a blockbuster a franchise mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right like uh, part of the mcu or demon slayer or something like that usually like because of, of the pandemic we've just been inside the last two years mm -hmm. and everything's been released on like hbo max or for mm -hmm. streaming or whatever so mm -hmm. we've just been watching stuff on the small screen this was a delight it yeah. was so um it was almost an assault on the eyes. It was like a feast for mm. <laughs> like you were just constantly being fed and overstuffed with mm -hmm. um, visual like amazingness. Uh, mm -hmm. Jay, what did you think? I mean, the amount of words I have for this, I think I am a huge, huge Michelle Yeoh fan. And mm. obviously that began with, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yes. And uh, 
Tomorrow Never Dies. Um, but then, like, I went through a phase where I was just absorbing a lot of kung fu movies, and I began to look with specificity for all of Michelle Yeoh's. And so I saw her... Uh, the superhero movie that she did, uh, The Three Women. Um, I saw her movie with Jackie Chan, a super cop. Uh, I saw her Wing Chun movies. Like, I was a voracious follower of Michelle Yeoh content, Memoirs of a Geisha. Um, watching her on Star Trek Discovery as Philippa Georgiou, uh, yes. a role that she annihilates. Loving her in Crazy Rich Asians. And also feeling as you watch her have this, you know, very full, very lengthy career. Only movie I haven't seen of hers because I just knew it was going to be really horrible is um, the third Mummy movie. I just, I, I was like, even for Michelle, I was like, girl, I can't do that for you. I'm sorry. I just know it's going to be shit. Um, <laughs> so I haven't seen that one, Auntie Michelle, but everything else I have. Um, and watching her be in all of these films, doing phenomenal work, um, you still got the feeling like she hadn't really been given her due. Right. And yeah. she's still working uh gunpowder milkshake. She did the sequel to um, crouching tech, a really shitty sequel uh, that I really don't ever like talking about. I'm going to be really upset uh, to crouching tiger a few years back on Netflix. Uh, and again, still kicking ass. I remember being surprised on star Trek with like, Oh, she's still got it. She's still throwing it. It's like, wow. Being in Shang-Chi. <laughs> So it was not that she wasn't working or not getting roles. It was really just that it didn't seem like anything was really like speaking to the caliber of talent that was so obvious that she had. Um, yes. and so when I first saw the trailer for this film, I was like, this is it. This is finally the vehicle that's like, that knows how phenomenal of a talent she is. And so I was already excited from it from there. Um, and then watching it, it was just the deepest confirmation, but also a beautiful surprise in the other performances in the film. Uh, 100%, 100%. Every single person in that film crushes it. Jamie Lee Curtis, um, who plays Deidre, this accountant, uh, the, her husband, her daughter, her father, just everyone brought their A game to make... My favorite kind of story, okay? And now I feel oh, like I've said this enough on this podcast that y'all should be able to say it with me. But my favorite kind of story is a character-driven family drama with a supernatural backdrop. And it's like these writers were just like, you know what Jay loves? Jay loves <laughs> a character-driven family drama with a supernatural backdrop. Let's, let's do that. Um, it is a comedy, a drama, a sci-fi movie, an action movie, mm -hmm. a romance movie. Um, it's all of those movies in one. It is frenetic. It is yeah. breakneck, how it just moves and burns through stories. Uh, and it is so deeply profound. And the profundity that I expected, the story that I thought was the story underneath the story, uh, was a story between parent and child, mother and daughter. And that yes. was one story, but I was also surprised about how it was a story of intergenerational trauma um, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, romantic love between partners and uh, 
loving yourself and following your dreams. Um, yes. And then also a dream about the power of kindness and love mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and how those things are not the absence of a tool and that those things are not the absence of a fight, but a very specific way to fight and to be powerful at a time in particular that we're facing that just feels so dark and traumatic and painful. Um, so it was profoundly moving. I saw it again today. I cried both times. Um, and like I said, I think it's one of my favorite films ever, ever. Um, and if they don't get all the awards for this film, I will riot. I will pull a white person <laughs> after a losing hockey game and I'm going to throw some trash cans into some storefronts. <laughs> Speaking directly to Bruins fans yep. uh, back in the mm -hmm. back in the eighties. Wow, mm -hmm. wow, a local reference. <laughs> I, I love that journey for us. Yeah. Um, things I want to highlight about this movie. Um, you mentioned the performances. Mm -hmm. This is also the the return to like the big screen of like a kind of beloved character from uh, our childhoods or maybe childs of the late eighties, early nineties yeah. childhoods. I guess. Um, uh, K. Hugh Kwan or Jonathan uh, K. Kwan. Uh, who played Data in the Goonies, uh, and was also um, short round in the Indiana Jones uh, movies uh, in the Temple of Doom. He's the husband. Mm -hmm. That blew my mind. I, I and he's amazing. Like he's he, phenomenal. He, he, he's like he's almost for me actually part like the emotional like core of the movie. Oh yeah. Um, in, in 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 many ways, um, which I like didn't think that was gonna be the turn that they took when we right. started the movie right you know what i mean so like it was um really beautiful to see and he's he brought his a-game it was like insane. and that was his first on-screen role in 20 years and so yeah. for me it was like to come back at that level you know what i mean at that yeah. caliber of acting after a 20-year break um just blew my mind and honestly he's the one that makes me cry each time i see it Yes, 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 yes. Uh, like, uh, y'all, you got to go see this movie. Yeah. It's it's excellent. Also, if you want like a cue for what the visual style of this movie is, um, the directors, uh, they're known as the Daniels. <laughs> uh, Daniel Kwan and Dan Scheinhart. Uh, if you've seen movies like uh, Swiss Army Man that star starred Paul Dano and uh, Daniel Radcliffe a couple of years ago, that was them. Also... Uh, if you're uh, a fan of Little John uh, <laughs> and DJ Snake, I know Jay isn't, but if you are, uh, a song from like 2013 called Turn Down for What, uh, the music video, they directed it. Mm. Also, double fun fact, the, the person dancing at the beginning of the video who's, uh, let's just say, whose junk is all over the place. Mm -hmm. that's Dan Kwan. That's destroying one of the directors things. Mm -hmm. destroying things with his penis. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if you want like a, a cue for the absurdity that this film just like revels in, mm -hmm. go watch Turn Down for What, have yourself a good time at the theaters and have yourself a good cry just working through some inter intergenerational trauma for sure. And it's so, it's, it is absurd and profound. It is like a stunning combination 
of of just all these things that should not work. It shouldn't work. Yes. And it just does so perfectly that is it, it is just honestly the apex of skill and craft, I feel like. It feels like this is masterful writing because if you drop any of these balls, right, if there's any loose screw, it feels like it's a movie that's too frenetic. It feels like it's too disjointed. It feels like it's too mm-hmm. crass. Like it would be so easy for this movie to falter and stumble into any of those places. And it doesn't. It's so intentional. It's so specific. Um, and again, reaches heights that like, I don't know. Everyone, everyone kills it. Stephanie Sue, who plays the daughter, phenomenal. Obviously, this is her breakout. James Hong. I just want to celebrate James Hong yes. for a little bit. I, I yes. read about this a few years ago. Um, he is in his upper 90s. I think he's like 98. Like he's approaching 100 in a few years. Okay. Yes. And has been in so many of our favorite films. Like if you see him, you'll recognize him. Uh, his voice is also super recognizable. He's the voice of Hong, uh, Poe's father in um, uh, the Kung Fu Panda movies. It's the easiest, I think, way in for, for his storied career. But so many characters, so many movies, all these things. And, I, you know, I will say this. I don't know if it was ageist, maybe, but I'm just like, you know, when you're 90-something and up there, <laughs> you know, you can't be, like, doing all that. Um, and so uh, I was expecting for his role to be a lot more of a cameo type thing or just, like, you know, he's there because he's also the old father who's there that they're taking care of. And I did not expect him to not only have the level of story that he had, um, but like the presence that he had. It was just like, this man still got it. He was acting like he was 70 some. Okay. Like the way he was <laughs> in this movie. And what I will say, obviously I'm not Asian or an Asian American, but I think he is uh, one of the elders that unfortunately Hollywood is not honored correctly. He still does not have a Holly, a star in the Hollywood walk of fame. And a lot of Asian actors in Hollywood have been campaigning to get that man, his star uh, before he passes because he's more than earned it. And I think, Hopefully that that gets rectified with this film. Uh, but again, I think this is a career shifter for a lot of them. I don't I don't even know where Michelle goes from here. You know what I mean? Because it was just such the perfect showcase for her many, 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 many talents. And I just hope that, you know, Hollywood takes her serious as an A-lister. I know that she's going to be um, in the Witcher spinoff. Again, she's always been working. Yeah. She's always been working. Uh, but I think I don't think they put enough respect on her name for like the A-list uh, Omega level talent that she is. And hopefully that changes. For sure. For sure. And Jay, you know, you know how we feel about journalistic integrity here. Mm-hmm. How old is he? I have no I have good news for you, actually. Uh-huh. He got his Hollywood star. He did. He did. When? He did. Uh, he got it uh, last year, uh, 2021, alongside uh, Carrie Fisher, R.I.P. and Michael B. Jordan. Wow, that's amazing. That campaigning worked. So last year, well, uh, let's turn the celebratory as opposed to accusatory. The campaigning worked. <laughs> and as of last year, that man has his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, much deservedly. So good for him. That's amazing. Hell yeah. I'm super glad. Um, so I, in thinking about, you know, we're living in a multiversal moment, right? It's like there are a lot of multiverse stories that are happening right now. Uh, I would say that kind of 
I don't want to say got kicked off, but if we look at cinema, it kind of began with um, Into the Spider-Verse, that amazing film uh, featuring our black Spider-Man from 20... Was that 2018? I I don't know years anymore. It was around then. (laughs) I know, right? Like, what the fuck is time, right? Uh, But we have Into the Spider-Verse. We have... um, Technically, Avengers Endgame, which was more time travel, but technically maybe multiversal. Uh, we have Loki. We have um, Multiverse of Madness coming up. Uh, we just had No Way Home. So there are a lot of explorations of the multiverse. Um, and for those of us that love comics and comic shows, we've been exposed to that for a while. Um, and so still also a triumph that this film is able to do this in a way that felt so unique and fresh. Um, But I wanted us, Miguel, to take a moment to think about who our multiversal selves could be in some branch universes, okay? And so if we think of the common science-y talk that happens when explaining the multiverse um, and, uh, you know, quantum physics, it's always like, a choice you make here, the, the, the choice you didn't make or could have made, there becomes the universe where you did make that choice, right? And that's how there are so many infinite multiverses because they're all being created every moment we make or don't make decisions. Right. And so um, I want us to think about what other multiversal variant of ourselves we could have been if we had made a different choice in our past. Now, as I was thinking this through for myself, I would say this was tough. Uh, For a reason that I think is a compliment to both of us, though. In the film, there's kind of a sentiment that the version of Evelyn that we follow, Evelyn Prime, is so bad at everything and means that there are countless universes where she's really good at those things. But each universe really feels like it revolves around like just one talent or skill that she's grown. However, Miguel, if we just look up to our intros, right? You and I are multi-hyphenates in like the truest sense of the word. I feel like we have tried to do a lot of things and we do a lot of things in our lives. So it feels like this is a hard thing to say, well, what did we not choose? What path did we not take when we've, you know, tried to bite off so many here? So again, the question is what other multiverse variant of yourself could you have been if you had made a different choice in your past? Yeah. I mean, you know, you brought this up and I thought about it and I was, I was struggling with it for a second and then I realized that there's something in my, that that's not in my life that was a very large part of my life mm-hmm. growing up. And mm-hmm. um, there's definitely a universe where I am a uh, Jehovah's Witness preacher. Wow. 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 Yeah. Wow. Wow. For Talk those of y'all it. who don't, yeah. For those of y'all who don't know, uh, I I grew up Jehovah's Witness. My mother is still uh, a Jehovah's Witness, and you know, it's uh, it's one of those uh, sects of Christianity that is very intense. Mm-hmm. Uh, some would say cultish. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that necessarily. I kind of am. Uh, it's uh, very intense. Your uh, I think if I were to think of like what a weekly schedule will, would be like. Tuesday nights we had like Bible study mm-hmm. uh, based on like books that were ha- passed down throughout the entire like world, worldwide community. Thursday nights was like preaching practice basically like how would you navigate these certain situations when you're talking to people. Mm. Um, 
Saturdays were the day you actually go out and preach, mm-hmm. um, especially for kids because we were in school all week. Uh, that's the day we'd usually go out with our parents or whatever like team we're going and like basically pamphlet and try to get the good word out. And Sundays was again another whole day of worship and Bible study. Mm. That's a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and as a kid, um, I wouldn't say it's not that I didn't believe. It was just that I didn't understand mm. uh, as much. I, you know, you're kind of indoctrinated, indoctrinated into uh, these customs and these habits. Um, and I'd like to think that some of the reasons that I'm like, I'm a decent person, I, or at least I hope that I'm a decent person, is because of my upbringing in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, parts of me that are um, that I like now are the reasons why I left the church. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it was a really interesting upbringing. I didn't celebrate my birthday until I was like 18. Yeah. Um, I uh, I really didn't know how I felt about like alcohol and things like that until I got to college. You know, I, I yeah. like it's, it's a, it's a really looking back now since I've been out since I was about 15 mm. um, and I'm Jesus, I'm 30 now. So mm-hmm. like 15 years ago, who I thought I was going to be after having just left like a kind of large part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a choice, you know, the, uh, I remember Here's a, a specific story. I, I remember there, there's a, a place called Betel um, in the uh, Jehovah's Witness organization. Um, I, it used to be in New York. I don't know if it's still there. But basically, it's where they like make all of the stuff. It's where they make all of the like pamphlets and the... Those watchtowers? Um, yeah, the, yeah, the watchtower. Mm-hmm. Um, all, like all of the uh, books and things like that. It's where they record all the music and it's where they make all the art. Um, it's like headquarters basically mm. right um, and I remember we took like a field trip uh, <laughs> over there to like see it in person and my mom was like super jazzed about it um, and uh, we, they were gave, they gave us a tour and everything and you, you like live there if you're um, if you're like working there you like, like it's, a, it's a whole facility where you like live basically wow. in a dormitory right wow um, and I remember um, one of my like dear like church aunties, uh, Anna, she was like, Hey, are you gonna like come to Patel when you're like 19 or 20? And I was like, Oh, wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, there's definitely an uh, alternate universe where I am uh, not a musician and I dedicated my whole life to the Lord. Hmm. That's so it's, I resonate with that so deeply. We've talked about our, similar religious upbringings before, particularly because also Adventists and um, Jehovah's Witness are like mortal enemies in a really weirdly <laughs> specific niche way. I, I, I always <laughs> like to say of uh, vampires versus werewolves. It's right. Like we- <laughs> <laughs> it's very much that. Oh my God. Um, um, maybe in that universe, you know, I am a preacher and you're a preacher and, you know, we are the vampires and werewolves fighting each other for the souls of these of these innocent people walking around. Um, I chose a full time performer, mm. which was tough because 
I still perform. Um, and I think what's really tough is I don't know if I would be happy, which is why I don't do it. But I do think that a part of this version of me, who I am right now, there are certain performance-related things that if I don't do, I do think I would regret when I die. Um, mm. But I also cannot imagine myself doing this full time. I just, I was watching an interview with the cast of Everything Everywhere All at Once, and uh, the actress who plays the daughter was talking about how she went back to watch uh, recently while she was on a plane, she went back to watch, um, I think it was Indiana Jones or The Goonies, whichever one. And she was just like, mm. wow, he really loves acting. And yeah. I can't relate. I just, mm. I, I, I think there are aspects of it I enjoy, but I truly think that if I'm being completely honest with myself, that there's a base level of enjoyment that I have for that craft. But I think more than anything, what I enjoy about that is more based in my ego around the ability to transform or elicit something specifically than a love of that work. And it's just so crazy because there was a time in my life where it's what I wanted. It's, I kept imagining myself on Broadway. It was on my bucket list to like sing on a Broadway stage and like to do all these things. And I could definitely see a part of me like in the hustle and the grind, trying to make it happen, being on a really cool TV show. And again, it's like, it's maybe there are elements of that that I would enjoy and elements that I would miss if I don't do it and regret if I don't do it. But I, I don't know. I, I, I think, I don't think I would ever want to fully be that guy. Um, but I think there's enough of me that has that desire that I could see a different version of myself choosing to do that more fully and to commit to that. So, yeah, that's, that's me. Man, I resonate with that so hard. Cause yeah. like, I think, from the outside, people see me uh, and or hopefully hear me, and they're like, mm. "Yeah, you have committed to a lifetime as a full-time performer and mm -hmm. artist, right?" Mm -hmm. And I don't feel that way. I don't mm. feel like I've committed like others. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and especially these last two years of uh, very intense, like uh, moving towards that yeah. as much as possible. I both see how I could do that. Mm -hmm. And feel the furthest away from it that I ever have. Wow. Um, and w one thing that I think I've learned is to be okay in the cut. Like, feel okay in that, like, a little bit of dissonance. Mm. Because it's, like, it's not a race. It's all about, mm -hmm. like, the journey and how you get there. And, Jay, you're a fantastic performer. Uh, obviously, I've performed with you. I've seen you perform. Um, you have a gift. And you should use it. But use it on your own terms. Thank you. So after this break, we are going to get into, for those of you that have already seen the film, um, some of the spoiler territory. So it's also really cool. Let us know if you like listened before you watched it and then came back and then finished. Um, so I think that'll be cool. So yes, after the break, we get into the spoiler filled, highly specific review of everything everywhere all at once. 
Okay, and we are back, y'all. Uh, we, we back, we back, we back. Um, this is, again, a spoiler review of Everything Everywhere All at Once. If you haven't seen the film uh, and you uh, mind spoilers, uh, you're going to want to get out now. Um, I'm going to give a synopsis because it's a really dense movie, uh, just so we have an idea of what's going on. And in writing the synopsis, I was like, Damn, like this, a lot of stuff happened in this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, if you're not cool with spoilers, I'm literally going to run down the film right now in five, four, three, two. Synopsis. We warned Evelyn you. Wing. <laughs> we warned you. Evelyn Wang is a middle aged daydreamer who runs a struggling laundromat with her husband, Waymond, who has a love of silly, googly eyes. He's so precious. Her life is currently a bit of a mess. Uh, the laundromat is being audited by the IRS. She has an adult daughter named Joy who wants her parents and grandparents to accept her and her girlfriend for who they are. Her estranged father has just arrived from China and Wayman is ready to get a divorce because of the lack of communication in their marriage. That is rough. Everything changes when at the IRS building, Wayman's personality changes when he is taken over by Alpha Wayman. A version of Wayman from another universe where Evelyn created the technology that enables people from one universe to gain the knowledge of and skills of other versions of themselves through the multiverse. Uh, it kind of looks like a Bluetooth earpiece, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, like the technology that they use to be able mm-hmm. to boot up. Um, like the uh, throwback have, ones, not like the AirPod ones. Like the really yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like, like 2003. Right, like <laughs> douchebag, the douchebag earbud ones. Mm-hmm. Exactly, right? Um, and you have to also do something completely random to like access a certain skill. It's, it's, it's quite funny. Um, it's so gross. Uh, Waymond explains that every choice a person makes creates another universe and that our version of Evelyn is the least successful. <laughs> And therefore, I know it's no good. And therefore, the most important version of them all, because she may have the power to defeat the all powerful Jobu Tupaki. Mm. Jobu is a version of Joy, Evelyn and Wayman's daughter, uh, who was pushed too far by Evelyn uh, and now constantly lives within all of the infinite realities at once. She is threatening to destroy the entire multiverse with, and I quote, and everything bagel. Mm. A bagel that has everything. I'm just going to let that sink in for a second. Okay. Evelyn uses her more successful counterpart skills like kung fu, the lung capacity of an opera singer, the twirling skills of a street sign twirler, all of it. <laughs> she uses them to try and save her daughter rather than take her out and kill her, and eventually, through her husband, finds that kindness is the answer, donning a googly third eye to signify her awakening. Mm. Jobu initially rejects her offer of kindness, but returns to her with an embrace and accepts that life is messy but worth living. All of their mess is nullified to the, for the most part and their family bonds are much stronger and healthier and while Evelyn still might daydream she is ever present in her own reality mm. Jay the hot dogs Ugh. the hot dog hands the hot dog hands can we talk about the hot dog up. hands I really <laughs> wanted to throw up like 
we have to talk about the hot dog hands and then thus the overcompensation of feet. So it's like a both a feet conversation and hot dog hands conversation. And then the really gross, like shove your hot dog fingers into my mouth. And then oh. I'm going to spit up mustard and cat. I'm just like, yeah, but still profound. That love story between her and Valerie hot dog version still <laughs> profound. And I'm just like, wow, I'm disgusted and blown away at the same time. It's a whole lot. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Um, Jay, how did you feel about um, when Waymond decided to give her those divorce papers? Like, that really messed me up. Because, like, just, just so y'all know, um, the first time we watched this, uh, we actually got into the theater like three or four minutes into the movie starting. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe there's actually a scene where you see that he's trying to communicate to her um, about the divorce papers a little bit earlier on but like it hit like a me like a rock like that he was so fed up with her lack of communication and like wasn't happy enough to just serve her papers in the middle of the situation actually so i watched it back today i saw it for a second time today and there was something clearer he doesn't believe in divorce but i'd heard from a friend like at church or whatever that once they had served each other papers they were able to talk and work it out to not. And so he, because it does feel like a little, like not Waymond, right? To just like ask for a divorce. Um, And so now it made so much more sense that in a classic Waymond way, um, wanting to use that as a tool to trigger a conversation, a, a moment of being just present. And to talk about a classic Waymond way, I think for me, the most profound moments of the film, the two parts that always made me cry. Um, Wayman reminded me of my black lives matter experience. And at the height of um, the uprising, I remember feeling so um, like just inept um, and kind of like not a good black person. Uh, because, you know, mm. there was a pandemic out. And even if there wasn't a pandemic out, I'm not a protest person. I'm not uh, take right. to the streets, streets, let's shout there. And it was really making me feel like, well, what are you doing? Like, how are you showing up for this movement ap- apart from just like lip service if you are not out making real change? And mm. it was tough because usually I don't have that crisis because I work and at that time in particular worked with teens. And my job and my work was I am trying to bring into the world critical, empathetic, kind thinkers who can take a look at the world, see the problems that it has, and be different examples. For me, I was playing the long game, right? I'm investing and seeding into young people that will transform the world. But once COVID happened and I was cut off from that and my teaching, I felt like, well, I'm not doing that and I'm not doing this. And weirdly, I had begun to like, learn about my my artistry and how I want to show up creatively was like this this concept of like joy and I found myself continuously wanting to be positive in this moment right first with the pandemic was like there's a lot of anxiety how can we be positive then excuse me with the um BLM protest it was like there's a lot of justifiable anger 
and a lot of frustration and grief. And I was like, well, where's the hope and where's the joy? And then I felt that that was disrespectful because I was just like, but isn't there a time to be angry? Isn't there a time to be Mm. sad? And here you are just like being like, la, 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 like, let's add some light. And it's like, sometimes, no, no. And so then I was just like, so then what do I do? And it was really like hanging up on me. And I had... I was confiding that into someone. They, they they talked about how hope is not weakness. Choosing to mm. be hopeful and the ability to be hopeful in the midst of grief and pain and trauma and anger is a powerful thing. And when Waymond was talking about, you look at me and you see me as weak and you think this kind thing that I do is is a passive thing that I'm doing. It's it's actually an active thing. I'm doing this very intentionally. This is my way of fighting to get the things that I want in the world. And he's like, there was a line he said where Evelyn's dad, it was alpha verse, version of him and everyone else was, was turning against him. And this is after she had stabbed him. And he was just like, I know we're all confused. I know that we're all scared and this is why we're acting this way. But something along the lines of it's the times where we're the most scared, the most Mm. confused that we should be kind. And I think so much about how I'm in therapy and what Mm. I do is I emotionally retreat, right? That is my response to fear, confusion, anger, all of it. I, I withdraw And to be present, to be kind, to be empathetic in those moments where we feel so close to harm, where we feel so close to just nihilism and horrible shit happening to really, it was, it was, it was a a paradigm shifting moment for me. I'm just like, I got to do better. I got to like those are the moments where I have to lean in. And sometimes, you know, we've been called naive, right? And you get called all those things about like, oh, well, you do all that for people. They don't do shit for you. So you go, yeah, I'm going to be tough. I'm going to like hold my exterior up. And it's just like, but what if we were kinder? What if we leaned in more? And it's something that really, really struck with me. I'll say my second moment later. Um, But I, I wonder how does that part of Wayman's, perspective and path how did that land for you oh it hit me hard um because he reminds me of um my father in a lot Mm. of ways um because uh it was something that uh evelyn said uh i think it was towards the end where um evelyn had just uh, freaked out at the New Year party mm-hmm. and, and broken the windows oh, and yep. th- just like said fuck it to the world basically mm-hmm. and she like looked over at her husband who was trying to talk to uh, the IRS agent, agent mm-hmm. like basically out of taking the business away mm-hmm. and she was looking at her like not with disgust but kind of like oh, my silly husband right. always trying to like smooth things over and then uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character just like comes up to her and says, "Okay, I think I'm gonna give y'all another chance." Mm-hmm. And she's like, "What?" And mm-hmm. you know, w- Wayman comes over and is just like, "Yeah, I smooth things over." 
I would just talk to her and talk to her through our situation and mm-hmm. showed like kindness and empathy and um, we have another chance. And I've I've had that feeling so many times of like watching my father be unbearably kind in situations that are so um, gross mm. and so like where everyone else isn't being kind in that situation and he's the only person being kind to the point where if you're if you're looking from the outside in you might see him as being foolish mhm mhm um right and then looking back on it he was in the right because yeah. he was he was being kind you know yeah. what i mean and like i I've, I've said this before like me and my pops have had like our moments you know what i mean but like and I think I've also said this. He is one of the kindest people I've ever met in my entire life. Mm-hmm. One of the most positive people I've ever met in my entire mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And um, to watch Waymond, like, just finesse it and choose to fight with his kindness instead mm-hmm. of of aggression in a very, like, non-typical male way, mm-hmm. right, um, was uh very heartwarming and just brought a lot of feelings of like i gotta go text my dad (laughs) you know i I gotta like hey man how you doing what's going on um although i would never uh show him this movie because uh bloody dildos and hot dogs and hands (laughs) yeah it's a lot for the parent but yeah when evelyn says when she's doing the the other fight scene and he's like what are you doing and she says i'm learning how to fight like you it yeah. just also reinforced that, like, again, we see kindness as the absence of fighting, usually. We're told it, it feels very much like, well, let people walk over you and, and do it with a smile or right. turn the other cheek, right? It feels like this thing that allows you to be harmed and you do it with a smile on your face. Um, but really, it was the, the fighting with kindness. That, that is how he chooses to fight. It's an attack, of empathy of kind it just i think that's what really shifted things for me and was such a powerful powerful sentiment um i know another moment that really got to me obviously aside from i would i I wouldn't say aside from i think this was as powerful as it was it was an ancillary story it was an ancillary thing truly the heart of this film um is the relationship between evelyn and joy yes Jobu Tapaki. And uh, I still ran. I wonder where that name comes from. I looked it up. I couldn't find anything. I'm just like, okay. Um, Do you think it's a Tupac reference? I have no idea. I I have no idea. It could be. I wouldn't be surprised (laughs) if it was. You know what I mean? Um, And her, her daughter, I think, is the encapsulation of what so many of us are feeling right now. You know, we talked in the the um, holding space episode about just the overwhelm we're feeling. A lot of us just feel like, you know, shit is crazy. Shit is fucked. Um, Has been for a while. And, you know, for her in particular, it just felt like there was no meaning. And that even if there were, it really struck me that sequence where Evelyn starts to find the joy and the good in things. And you would think that that was when joy would be like, Oh, there is hope. There is good. But she goes, it's just a moment. Even if it happens, it's just a moment. And it will then be followed by 
another moment of shit. So what is the point? And I feel like so many of us are in that space. And so the other part that was really interesting to me and I didn't know how I felt about it was when the part we expect where Evelyn goes, no, even if it is a moment, it's a moment that we treasure and we hold on to, blah, blah, blah. And you're my daughter and I love you and I'm your mother. And we go, this is the moment where Joy gets it and they hug and it's great. And Joy instead goes, leave me alone. It hurts me when we're together. Devastating. Devastating. Let me go. (laughs) And then you think, oh, is this what the movie is trying to say? That like people have boundaries. And sometimes as, you know, as parents or as friends or as whatever, we want to hold people close to us when they're in trauma. But like they just want to be let go. And do we just let them go? And so then she lets her go. And we're just like, is this the story? And then she goes, Mm -hmm. bitch, wait. And she's just like, you've been so sad. You've been in all these universes. And as much as you say you don't care, you came to find me. And as much as you annoy me, and as much as you're disrespectful, and as much as we do hurt each other, there is no place I would rather be than with you. And I'm just like, <laughs> those feelings again, because how many, how much of that is our relationship with our parents, right? How many right. of us can relate right, right, right. to how can I love someone so deeply and also have been harmed by this person so deeply? And this is not to say that like you can dismiss what people have done to you and not hold them accountable, but it's sitting with that tension, that tension of, and an appreciation at the end of the day, this is where the Wayman comes in, of the love you have for that person. And if sometimes we can relax into that and choose that, I think about all of these families who struggle with, you know, maybe children who are gay or children who don't identify as straight or children who pick different career paths in them or children who make mistakes. And so often we lean into what we don't love, what we don't like, or those hurts or those pains when if we would just take a moment and say, I choose to hold on to and to lift and to live in my love for you and just to be here with you. Imagine what that could do for so many people around the world. So it broke my heart in 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 the most perfect way. Yeah, no, I mean, there were so many like big emotional core moments between the absurdity. Right, (laughs) between hot dog fingers and dildos and (laughs) jumping on butt plugs. Oh, I forgot about the butt plugs. Oh my god, I was just like, yeah, this is like you don't <laughs> WrestleMania three double dive onto a dildo. <laughs> like you were destroying your asshole. Oh my god. Oh no. Yeah, I um, a, a moment that got me as well for sure was the um. James Hong's uh, uh, the the grandfather's character's whole journey, right? Because you know, um, speaking to like the generational trauma bit, like mm-hmm. you know that Evelyn probably treated Joy how she treated Joy because of how um, she was basically abandoned yeah. by her parents, yeah, because of because they, they disapproved of a choice she made. Mm-hmm. Right, and you know, 
he here he comes, you know, twenty years later, and he needs her because he's yeah. you know he's an old frail man, mm-hmm. and it's there's nothing but contempt in their relationship, and mm-hmm. this the alpha version of grandpa right is like ready to kill, like ready to destroy his family to save the universe because he thinks that there's no other option, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and that moment where, um, where Evelyn introduces Joy's or Jobu's girlfriend yeah. as, as, uh, her girlfriend mm-hmm. and the like processing face that James, that James Hong makes mm-hmm. and then his reaching out and then in the multiverse like helping his family heal yeah just it just did it for me man and like, what michelle says there is i'll never let her go uh i can't abandon her well i guess that was early whatever but but i can't abandon yeah, her yeah. like you did me why was it so easy for you to you. let me go Ugh. No, man, it was so. Um, everything about it was so amazing. Uh, getting away from like the the emotional stuff, can mm-hmm. we talk about uh, Wayman, the actor who plays Wayman? He he hasn't been on screen. You're right. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has been working as a stunt choreographer. I saw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I believe all of that stunt work he did mm-hmm. like all the all, all the kung fu that was happening all the ridiculous like nunchuck with a fanny pack yeah. bullshit yeah. was him and i'm like yeah. that was some classic jackie chan shit yeah like like body comedy to the extreme but 100%. also like beautiful kung fu like it this movie hit on like all of these very specific yeah. points yeah. that i think really hit in POC and black culture specifically mm-hmm. because like think about it uh, black exploitation films are plays on uh, kung fu movies mm-hmm. right um, gen- intergenerational trauma who has more intergenerational intergenerational oh, trauma than oh, a, no. a, a black person in America you're right you're not wrong uh, like this is why and again like I know we always bring it back to like anime or whatever but this is this is why I think um, people of color and uh, black people specifically gravitate towards these kinds of stories mm-hmm. is because they are so reflective of yeah. so many of our journeys yeah. um, and we get to see a happy ending. Yeah. Um, and while, and it, 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 in some ways it gives us a little uh, like entryway into maybe how we can create those happy endings for ourselves. Michelle Yeoh said that a lot of people would come up to her afterwards saying, I'm going to call my mom. I'm going to, I just, I, as I was watching it, I was thinking particularly about the relationship between my mother and my sister there. And so like, yeah, I think, I think that's the thing that could be healed. Uh, To go back to your point about um, the fighting, you know, he said that he was practicing in his house for a long time. He broke a lot of shit in his house. And uh, I'm like, I can imagine you swinging some shit around all the time. It's like, my wife was not happy. Um, but I really, I want to, I haven't heard this yet. I'm just like, Jamie Lee Curtis was throwing hands. Obviously not in the same way uh, oh, of course, yeah. that Michelle Yeoh was because beautiful, elegant dancer, like timeless, classic whirlwind of fists and fury. Um, 
But I was like, okay, Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay, I see you out here. And so I wonder what that was like for her. I'm sure there were stunt doubles, obviously. But I'm just like, still. I don't think I've ever seen her do... Maybe in Scream, maybe she'd have to do some fight choreo. But not like this. Not like this. Not Scream. Uh, Halloween. She's in the Halloween movies. I'm sorry. Halloween movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the original Scream Queen. Um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, man. I I really enjoyed this film. There was one moment where I thought it was... It was uh, starting to be heavy-handed, mm-hmm. um, and I think it was when um, it was right before uh, Wayman's character, like the version of Wayman that is successful in the universe where mm-hmm. Evelyn is an actress. It's mm-hmm. before he gives his monologue on why um, he's happy that. Um, they met even though she broke his heart, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and right, right before then, it was starting to get to a point where I felt like it was a bit preachy. Mm. It, um, and like I was feeling like, okay, I'm like almost like you've done too much absurdity to justify the message that you're trying to convey. Interesting. And then Wayman gives his monologue. Right, and I was like, "Oh, no, no, no! You're justifying this because the last thirty minutes of this is justification for oh, yeah. uh, uh, the, the, the for the, for 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 the message and mm-hmm. really pushing it home. And you, you, just just like you said, like right to the end, like mm-hmm. what is the message? Mm-hmm. Like what is it? Like mm-hmm. how is this going to resolve itself? Because it could have gone either way. Like yeah, yeah. Uh, I have one weird gripe." <laughs> There's a scene, I forget what it is, but it's one of those scenes where all, and I think it was the most expansive one, where all of her parallels are just, they're ticking through all of them in like 0.5 second flashes. Yes, yes, yes. And there's one that's animated, and it was so gorgeous. And I was like, why do we not have an animated sequence of this? I'm just like... We get the pinatas and we got that drawing, but I'm just like the the animated one. I it just had so much feeling, and I was like, ugh, yes, I want this. One of the best sequences also is the rock sequence. That's a really good. One. I was just about to say the rocks messed me up, and when you, when the rock turned around with them googly eyes, those googly eyes, it's like bitch. I'm coming for you. <laughs> I'm gonna get you. <laughs> like <Yeah>. what? <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, it, it that. It brought me so much joy. Yeah. Um, and after the last couple of weeks where we've been a bit somber, y'all, I think we both needed some joy. And we finally got to have some joy in the movie theater together. Cathartic was- joy. And that was the other thing. It was experiencing that with that whole theater where you can laugh together and like right. feel together and gasp together. That was that was really good. Um, so overall, don't see this movie. Hated yeah. it. Do not recommend. No. Uh, love this movie. Really go watch it. Go make it a big fucking deal. Um, movies like this typically don't get wide releases and I've already begun to see it popping up in, um, theaters more, getting more showings because it seems like the word is getting out. Do not miss this movie. Please, 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 please listen to this movie, listen to this movie, watch this movie, get your tickets, support. You will not be disappointed. I have not heard or seen one bad review. To me, there are some moments where I'm just like, this review should be 
it's like four and a half stars, but it's like it should be a full five. Like, I don't know why you're not playing like this. I feel like it's one of those people that's like, I just can't give anything an A+. Plus. You know how people always like, there's always room for something. I hate people like that. Um, but go see it. I, I, you will not be disappointed. You will not be disappointed. For sure. 100% agree. And uh, with that, let us know uh, in the comments. Let us know on Instagram how you felt about this movie, if you've, if you've seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And we're going to take a quick break and get into a uh, universal game. One last game before we tab out. I don't know what word I just said. Tamp out. I don't know what that is. Okay, so we go and bring it to a close. You know that you, we love our would you rather's here. And so uh, we're just going to play a little game of uh, which universe would you rather live in? Because there was definitely times where Evelyn saw that she was rich and a baddie. And one universe was just like, why can't I live here? And so we've all had those feelings before. So we're going to pull from some really random universes. And we're going to see which one you'd rather live in. Okay. So number one, would you, Miguel, Mm -hmm. would you rather live in the Narnia universe or the Middle Earth universe? Which one? Um, I think. That's a, that's tough. All right, because yeah. he, he, here's the deal. Mm-hmm. I uh, the Narnia books are the reason I read. Mm, wow. Um, I was I, I have I have like I had like a reading disability as a kid, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I I couldn't I, I didn't get it. Turns out I have ADHD. Mm. <laughs> um, and uh, I saw a book with a fawn on it, a uh, little tumnus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it had nothing else on it, no writing on it. And I was like, what's going on with this? And I read the first chapter and then I destroyed all seven books in like wow, like a month. And I was suddenly a reader and I could understand everything. So wow, 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 wow. The, Nar- the Narnia books, even if they're an allegory for Christianity. Sure. Uh, um, are very special to me. Um, uh, but Middle Earth, it feels like more realized. You know what? I'm just going to say Narnia. Because you know why? Okay. I think there are just more fantastical possibilities for any person just to mm-hmm. do stuff. Mm-hmm. Middle Earth seems like if you don't have like battle skills or like yeah, you gonna die. Shit going it's so on, violent. It's so it's, violent. Yeah, it's it's going to be no good, right? So I'm going to say Narnia. How about you? Even though I just said it's so violent, I think I would actually go with Middle Earth. And here's why. Mm. If I'm going to be in a universe where there is magic, I need to be able to use it. Okay, and I just feel like we don't see a lot of magic users in Narnia, uh, but I could very easily, although I'm black, so who knows, (laughs) be an elf on Middle Earth. Um, You know, uh, so yeah. I've never seen a black elf. I've maybe like have you? What's like? Someone in the comments tell us where there's black elves. In well, cinema. I can tell you because the oh, Amazon, okay. the Amazon show, it seems like all the black people left, right? Which, if you think about it, tracks, right? Like when some shit goes down, we like we don't. Why would we finna stay here when y'all going crazy? So it seems like I don't know about the long passages of time, but this is before the the time that we've seen in the books. 
and uh, a lot more black people. And so, it, yeah, either we're all dead, which we'll find mm-hmm. out, I guess, or we hopped our little merry asses off on a boat and was just like, all right, y'all, peace out. Good luck. Good <laughs> luck with Sauron. Okay. The Sal- the Sal- uh, it's, I think it's called the Selmar- the Selmarillion. It's like uh, an encyclopedia right. mm-hmm, uh, that mm-hmm. this is all based off of. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 into it. I mean, I I hate Amazon as a, as a corporation, but I still take it in their content. Um, yeah, it's no good. Yeah. Okay, next the expected one. Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. let's do that one. DC yeah. versus Marvel. DC versus Marvel. Which one are you mm-hmm. living in? I think. Okay, I'm gonna cheat because you always cheat. I'm a cheat. Oh, I'm, I'm, that you calling <laughs> me out on my, on my cheating? <laughs> I'm a, I'm gonna take a, a, a I'm gonna take two. All right, I'm gonna mm. say if it's the DCEU versus uh-huh. the MCU, uh-huh. I'm gonna live in the MCU. Of course. If it's just a straight up DC universe, mm-hmm. like Justice League Unlimited, like DC mm-hmm. Universe. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna live in DC. Yeah. Like the comic book universe in in Marvel seems terrifying. Terrifying and, and horrible. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I feel like there's more there I feel like there're just more metahumans in the DC universe than there is Marvel. I just feel like you're more likely to have some kind of ability in DC than Marvel, I think. Yeah. I guess unless you're like in the X-Men situation. Right, if that that piece yeah. happens. Yeah. Okay. Um here we go. Steven Universe. This is cruel, and you added this, and I hate that you did this because why would you do this? <laughs> Steven Universe hilarious. Universe versus Avatar, the last Airbender Universe. But here's the fuck shit that Miguel included. But you are a regular human in both universes. Now, when you say regular human, do you just mean non-bender, or do you mean like not even like Ty Lee or Asami type person? You're a non-bender, and you can work on any skill that you want to work on. Like, if you wanted to be a uh, a, a chi blocker, you could, you know. Like, in, in Korra, we saw that there were a bunch of uh, folks that could learn how to chi block. Like, it's not mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. not just Tylee. So, you can learn any things, but most likely, you're going to be the dude with the cabbages. Uh, <laughs> this is cruel. I mean... Wow, I'm, I, I just changed my mind. I was going to say Avatar, but I mm-hmm. think I would say Steven. I think because in the Avatar universe, my um, my impotence would be very clear all the time. Yeah. Um, and it's a world run by benders, and I'd have that in my face constantly. Whereas in Steven universe, um, there's really only one town that's getting all this alien smoke. And if I just exactly. live like, you know, like in Oklahoma, <laughs> I'm good. And it's just like real life, so I think I'll pick Steven Universe. I, I, that's, yeah, that's why I put it in there because Steven Universe is just a regular ass place with like a couple of aliens, you know, like it's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. Um, shit, they, they, they got the bits, they got, they got fries and stuff. It's cool. Fry like, bits. <laughs> it's true. We chilling. Because also, it's like, say you're Connie and you you learn to fight. We ain't seen Connie swing that sword in a fight at all, really. And I was just like, why y'all make that girl a warrior to have her never be a warrior? It just felt cruel to me. True, you're right, you're right. You can okay. do it for her. <laughs> Another obvious one. that We're going to get into some interesting ones. Naruto verse versus the Dragon Ball verse. Mm. 
I'm going to say Dragon Ball, and I'll tell you why. Mm. I'll say it in two words. Child soldiers. <sighs> Just saying. <sighs> Just saying. Dragon Ball, the entire universe gets destroyed. Guess what? Someone's going to wish me back. We're going to be fine. You know what? Thank you for that. Because I was just like, the thing about, I hate Dragon Ball Z. The thing about that universe, <laughs> though, is dead niggas stay coming back. But, 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 they also do just be destroying whole universes out there, right? All the goddamn time. And I'm just like, God forbid somebody don't wish it back. You, 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 you like dead. And so I feel like the likelihood of death is higher and i don't want to hear the shouting all the time uh and then also the spirit bomb i'm passing out in the street because someone's trying to spirit bomb kamehameha it's like that's too much for me it's too much i would choose naruto because i think you know that could be changed with the law we could just have an age mandate where you know we're not gonna put children in the war and you know, I could learn chakra and not be a ninja. Could you just imagine me being like a post office mm. worker that could walk on walls, you know, because I went to the academy <laughs> and I learned some shit and maybe I have one or two jutsu. Like, that's cool to me. So I think I would pick, I pick Naruto verse. Word. Word, word, word. Okay, two more. <laughs> Power Rangers verse or Sailor Moon's universe. Listen, mm. okay. Power Rangers, mm -hmm. there are giant kaiju mm -hmm. every other day Constantly. destroying the city. Like, Your grades I, would I be shit because you would have to be in school and you'd be leaving school all the time to go fight a monster. Like, but like, I, what if I'm just a regular ass person? Like, yeah. there's just kaiju fights be happening. Like, I like I'm trying to like get to work and mm -hmm. oh, another kaiju fight. Turns out there's an alien again. Like you know, like I'm not trying to do that. Also, there was this one. There was this one Power Rangers monster that was a giant spider. Fuck that. That is Listen, terrifying. If there are aliens out there, I just wish one thing: just not spiders. Hmm. Just please, just like like they can be invisible. They can be like ghostly. They can be humanoids. Whatever. Just please. Wow. Not spiders. It's that deep for you, huh? Yeah. Hmm. So you? Sailor Moon by default because yes. Well, here's what I'd say. I would choose Power Rangers, and here's why: Sailor Moon, you know, is too feminist, and I say too feminine. Wait, that's that sounds crazy. Oh. I always oh. say. Oh. I only say. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and that's what Jay. Play Black Ed did. So next week we was like, got a new co-host. No. <laughs> I I say that in the context of what I said earlier about Narnia versus Middle Earth. If there is magic in a world, I want to be able to have it. Oh, and so okay. in Sailor Moon, it's almost exclusively in the hands of women, which more power to y'all. But again, if I, I don't want to be just looking around at magic and me not being able to use it. Also, for all those kaiju attacks in Power Rangers, how many deaths happen? None. It's PG, my nigga, right? So, like, <laughs> it's never... Don't nobody die. So there's a lot of like property damage, <laughs> but you're going to be safe. Okay. So Sorry. I've been thinking about Superman 
like Man of Steel, like levels of destruction. Yeah. But like actual death. But you're right. You yeah. live in the PG universe. You just come out with a broken arm and it's fine in two episodes. That's Your car is going to be destroyed. Insurance rates are going to be crazy over there, but you'll be okay. Um, okay. And the last one, uh, we're taking it. It's a little uh, unexpected, but there's a bit of an homage to a very big show happening right now and our queen, Michelle Yeoh. Would you rather live in the post-racial Regency era society that is Bridgerton or crazy rich Asians? And by crazy rich Asians, you mean having inherited generational wealth. So, yes, when we talked about this earlier, you were just like, is that a different universe, though? And I was just like, okay, the level of wealth they have is so inaccessible. Like... uh, it's so inaccessible that it feels like another universe because this is not just generational wealth of like my great, great granddaddy was here. It's like my great, 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 great grandfather traded a pin with the emperor of the Ming dynasty. And we turned that pin into property. And now for the last thousand years, we've owned, you know what I mean? Like it's insane and impenetrable, that level of old money. Um, Like America, old money means a couple hundred years. Again, in these Mm -hmm. Asian countries, it is millennia. So it's centuries. So yeah, Bridgerton or crazy rich Asians, which universe you live in? I mean, you just, you just, what? Crazy rich Asians. Like what? (laughs) hundred percent. Yeah. Is there even a competition? Like I don't know that I there have, is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I could have generational wealth like yeah. today, mm-hmm. like that, sign me up. Let's fucking go. Like, and I don't have what? to. It's like, yeah, I I can wear sweats and be extremely wealthy, uh, and be surrounded by beautiful people. And I will also say this: I cried at Crazy Rich Asians during the wedding scene. Have you seen Crazy mm. Rich Asians? Uh, I'm I'm gonna sell myself out and say I I actually haven't I I I, I, wow. I missed it I missed it That's why I asked about the yeah All right wow. I'm gonna go see it I'm gonna go I'm gonna go see it I'm gonna it go is see it. it is and I don't know why I always say weirdly to me I don't know why maybe because it's I don't know it is one I I, I randomly have a love of rom coms It's like at the same level of my love of comic book movies or kung fu movies because um, I have the range and there is basically this scene. I guess I won't spoil it for you. There's a wedding scene that's really beautiful. Everyone knows knows what I'm talking about that Mm -hmm. literally takes your breath away. And I was so moved by the extravagance of the wealth it must have taken to have that moment, Uh, but also just the beauty and intimacy of it that, like, uh, amazing, amazing. So, okay. So I'm living in, living in, I don't want to do this recap because I don't remember what you said because my memory is shit. But I think... Out of all of those universes, let's do that. What is the universe you'd want to live in? Narnia, Middle Earth, DC, Marvel, Steven Universe, Avatar, Power and Sailor Moon, Naruto, Dragon Ball, Bridgerton, Crazy Rich Asians. If there is one universe to rule them all, which one are you living in? Mm. Honestly, based off of your description, it's still Crazy Rich Asians. I just 100% want to have is money. Crazy Rich Asians. <laughs> yes. I'm just like, money over magic any day. Absolutely. Yes. That is exactly the answer. Like, I'm just trying to be comfortable. Like, yeah. I, I don't need I don't need to be fighting all these times. Like, it's cool. Like, it's fine. I would force it so much if I had crazy rich Asians level money. Like, I would be taking a helicopter to CVS to buy lozenges. Like, that is the extreme 
way I would be living if I had that kind of money. Wow. Yeah. Every day wow. when I shower, I would put the clothes that I'm taking off to go into the shower into the incinerator that is built into my bathroom. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that journey. I would buy magic. Okay. <laughs> With that, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Play Black. Uh, make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave a review. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at playblackpodcast.com. Uh, at playblackpodcast. But also, check us out on TikTok. Woo! We'd be posting some stuff over there. Just like, check it out. Tell your friends. Da 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 da. Um, DM us anywhere on Instagram or TikTok to pitch things you'd like to hear us talk about, gush about how much you love the show, or tell Jay what universe you and him would Netflix and chill oh. in. <laughs> oh, my. Um, I guess if it was so crazy, it's Asians universe, we'd do it at Netflix headquarters, the moon base, I guess. Um, and maybe, you know, explore some bases on that base. Maybe. I don't oh, know. Okay. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. Uh, okay. We'll see y'all soon. Peace. Peace.